On today's show, we'll check in with The Athletic's Aston Villa writer Greg Evans for the latest on their pursuit of a striker to replace the injured Wesley and to help fire Dean Smith's men away from relegation. Plus, our Manchester United correspondent Laurie Whitwell joins us to discuss where Ole Gunnar Solskjaer needs to strengthen this month. It's Monday the 6th of January. I'm Jackie Oatley and this is The Athletic Transfer Daily. Hello and welcome to the Athletic Transfer Daily. Monday to Friday from now until the end of January, we'll bring you unrivaled insight into every move, rumour and story that breaks during the transfer window with daily updates from the Athletic's network of expert writers across the UK and beyond. We'll have the latest on the comings and goings in the Premier League and the EFL, but we'll also be taking a deeper look behind the scenes, how transfers actually work in the modern game, how they affect the lives of the players and managers involved, how super agents operate, as well as how WhatsApp has replaced the dear old fax machine in making things happen on deadline day. Before we speak to our correspondents from Manchester United and Aston Villa, here are a few transfer lines from our other writers around the UK. David Ornstein reports that Manchester City are looking at Inter Milan Slovakia defender Milan Skriniar and Ukraine international defender Mykola Matbienko of Shakhtar Donetsk. David says City have already been watching Nathan Aki of Bournemouth and Leicester's Turkey defender Kagla Soyuncu. Meanwhile, Leicester writer Rob Tanner tells us the club has not yet made a bid for Mary Dimiral, the Turkey defender at Juventus. But injuries to Wes Morgan and Filip Benkovic mean they may be forced into the market for defensive cover this month. Stuart James is reporting that Liverpool's Rian Brewster's on the verge of signing on loan at Championship Club Swansea. Brewster knows the Swansea manager Steve Cooper pretty well. They won the Under-17s World Cup with England in 2017, with Brewster as top scorer. And Tim Spears tells us that Wolves striker Patrick Catrone is currently in Italy, mulling over a couple of offers to return to his home country. The 22-year-old has failed to settle in England, while 21-year-old striker Benny Ashley Seal is available to leave Molyneux on loan. All those stories and plenty more on theathletic.co.uk and also on the app. Now, let's welcome Laurie Whitwell to talk transfers of a Manchester United persuasion. Hi, Laurie. Hi, Jackie. Now, first of all, you've been to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's media conference. What was the vibe there, transfer-wise? Yeah, we actually didn't get into transfers uh, this morning with him. Um, I think he'd been peppered with questions at the last uh, time he spoke to the media. But um, but generally, the, the vibe around the place is that it could still be a quiet January for, for United, a dry January, as I've sort of quoted it in my piece uh, recently on it, um, despite the fact that I think they clearly need uh, strengthening. I was at the Arsenal game um where Solskjaer spoke afterwards and said that actually the injuries to Pogba and McTominay had altered what United wanted to do, or at least uh, altered the urgency of what they wanted to do. So I do expect at least one signing in, but I'm not exactly uh, holding my breath, to be honest. That seems extraordinary from the outside looking in, that this is a massive, massive club with huge expectations, and yet they seem to be powder puff in midfield and don't necessarily seem desperate to strengthen there. Is that right? Yeah, it's a curious one. Basically, the, the, the strategy they're employing is uh, that if the player is right and available, uh, they will do it, but it has to be the right character. Solskjaer has been very insistent on that as a particular point. Um, it doesn't want to bring in a player just for the sake of it, which I can totally understand. But equally, as you say, the squad clearly needs strengthening if they are going to make it into that top four, which is, is a crucial um, sort of finishing post, really. I know we've sort of uh, accepted that the squad um, is being sort of culturally 
culturally reset, <laughs> easy for me to say, uh, by Solskjaer, but that doesn't necessarily excuse the um, ultimate finishing position, which Champions League qualification is, is a huge thing for a club like Manchester United. And they've got the money, you know, so they, they, they should really be making moves proactively to um, get these players in. Just give 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 more support, really, because as, as we've seen, the, the, the depth that's there just um, isn't quite the quality that you'd expect. One of the players who's currently still at the club, Jesse Lingard, was talked about by Solskjaer today. Fans not necessarily massively in his favour, bearing in mind the potential he had compared to the output that he's not producing, no Premier League goal or assist so far uh, this season. I don't think you see as much in the social media from Jesse as you used to, he said today. I've known him many, many years and getting back to the Jesse I knew. What's his future? Yeah, it's a curious one, isn't it? I think he's got uh, 18 months left on his deal with uh, the option for it for another year on top of that, which the club uh, usually um, trigger um, to sort of protect the transfer value. So you can imagine that there are discussions, though, about um, you know a new contract potentially um, beginning. Um, so I don't know how they're sort of progressing at the moment, which is maybe why we're hearing this um, sort of news about Mino Areola being involved. Um, not necessarily, uh, you know, as a transfer away, although obviously that is kind of his, his modus operandi when um, he comes to town. Um, so uh, maybe it's because he, he wanted a, a better offer of a new contract. But then, as we, you know, as you say, he needs to be doing it on the pitch. Um, Solskjaer made the point that against City and against Spurs, he was very good, um, Jesse Lingard, which I, I totally agree with. Um, it was a very specific sort of task that he had in terms of linking the counter-attacks, fast breaks, um, doing those passes perhaps before the assist, you know, rather than making the actual assist. Um, but then, as we saw at Arsenal to begin with, um, he just wasn't at the at the races, really. He, he kept losing the ball, uh, which was extremely frustrating in, in certain passages of play. And United really do need a player of... of you know, in that number 10 position that can set the tempo, can have great technique and control of the ball, play those passes into the likes of Marcus Rashford and Anthony Marshall. So clearly Lingard's position is under threat. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I don't think any player has um, a guaranteed starting place or shouldn't do really at United. Um, but clearly what he's producing at the moment isn't of the standard that United um, need in, in a position like that. I, I personally like him as a player. I think he offers um, something perhaps on a squad um, basis, but not to be starting for United every, every week. If we were to put jigsaw pieces together for a potentially successful Manchester United side, we could potentially take Harry Winks out of Tottenham, where it's not working at the moment under Jose Mourinho, and place him into that Manchester United midfield, where he could play those passes into the forward players with greater success than the players they have available. He has been linked. Have you heard anything about that? Yeah, it's an interesting one. I hadn't um, heard anything until I read David's, uh, David Ornstein's column um, this morning, obviously. Um, but I've since spoken to somebody about it and, and certainly uh, cold water wasn't poured on it as an idea. Um, quite the opposite, really. Um, the fact that he's not having the best of times under Jose uh, Mourinho at Spurs obviously makes it perhaps more likely. He's got the Euros to think about in the summer. So does that hasten a decision to be made, you know, for this last second half of the season, um, and he does come with sort of good recommendation from the United players that have played with him. Uh, England, obviously, Rashford, Maguire, know him, um, you know, so you can kind of see how he could fit into that midfield. That United do need, you probably need two number tens really, and and a deeper midfield player. And, and Winks, I guess, can play either role. Probably more the deeper player that you'd, you'd like to see, and they haven't really got a player of that ilk, you know, Scott McTominay. I know he's out injured for the next couple of months. He's more of a dynamic player, uh, sort of um, 
breaking up play and, and then driving forward. Fred, sort of similar kind of player. Winks offers something a little bit different in terms of his passing quality. So that's not one that I'd... It, well, it is one that I'd, I'd be interested to sort of see if it could develop. Yeah, he's a Spurs fan. You expect him for it to want to work out at Tottenham. But he started 12 of the 21 games this season in the Premier League for various reasons. And he played in that deeper role without anybody more defensive-minded alongside him not necessarily suiting him at the moment. So that's one to watch, certainly. Um, perhaps not transfer-wise, but David De Gea, way off the form that we know he's capable of. Is there any suggestion they may be bringing anybody in in the near future to try to push him? Or do you think they'll hold off until Dean Henderson's back from Sheffield United? Yeah, well, my information um, was that they would definitely look at Dean Henderson as a rival to De Gea when he comes back from his loan um, in the summer. Um, obviously, it was a, long, a season-long loan, so he's there for the second half of the season, but he's being watched very closely. The saves that he's been making and the kind of confidence that he has around the area is, is something that's been noted. Um, he obviously thinks a lot of himself, um, which is no bad thing when you're you know, aspiring to play for a club of United standards. Um, and obviously, I think that's why Chris Wilder probably felt um, he was able to give him a bit of a, a, a jab in the ribs after his mistake against Liverpool early in the season. Um, you know, rather than put the put the arm around him, he certainly gave him a bit of a, a hard time, didn't he? So, um, but United are definitely looking at him. Um, I don't think they'll bring in anybody in January. You've got Sergio Romero there, who is uh, you know brilliant number two, really. I mean, he kept another clean sheet at, at Molyneux. Um, at the weekend there's there's a slight I think concern over his age and a potential sort of knee problem that maybe restricts exactly how many games he can play in, in succession which is maybe why certain people feel that De Gea doesn't necessarily feel he's being genuinely threatened for the number one position if, if you understand me um Listen, De Gea has been a great servant to United and still is capable of producing fantastic saves. I think we saw at Bramall Lane a uh, really good performance and his save against Rodri at the Etihad was, was out of this world really but um, he definitely has areas of his game that have dipped a little bit. In swinging corners seems to be a susceptibility and uh, you know his choice of kick for example against Arsenal when he gave the ball to Pepe and then Pepe hit the post. You know, It was a fortunate cir- circumstance really that that didn't end in a goal. So yeah, it's an area that United are looking at for sure. Yeah, we both read that David Ornstein piece in The Athletic, haven't we, today? (laughs) Uh, With Dean Henderson being described as the confident type, which I think we all means that, uh, yeah, he's not shy to back himself, which of course you need in that position. And they brought in Craig Mawson, haven't they, uh, from Burnley, apparently an excellent uh, goalkeeping coach into his psychology and science as well. Well worth reading that piece. Now to the United midfield, we've had some tweets in. One from Ewan White. Question for Laurie Whitwell, what's the likelihood of Pogba leaving this window? And if so, where is the likely destination? Well, Solskjaer's been categorical in saying that he won't leave now uh, in January. Um, and I suppose this um, surgery that rules him out for, for the month kind of just underlines that. I would be surprised if he left now, um, even though I've been sort of hearing for a long time that that's basically the exit plan for Pogba. I know, you know his, his agent spoke um, at the start of the summer about that um, and sort of slightly changed his tune in more recent interviews. But I noticed didn't exactly say he, he definitely wants to stay and for a long time and win, and win things with United. It was more of a hope, you know, um, put out. So, yeah, I mean, call me naive, but I, I'd be surprised to see him uh, leave now, um, this window, just apparently because, I, I, as you say, the, are the options out there? Real Madrid, um, the Zidane situation seems to be assessed on a sort of weekly basis. Um, would he definitely go there? Um, Juventus, uh, they've got an abundance of midfielders. Um, so I don't know if that's necessarily an area that they want to strengthen. Uh, immediately but I do think it's something that United have to look at um, really now you know what what price would you would you sell him for you're not going to get 
the, the you know the kind of 150 million price tag that they asked for last summer but equally you know could you you know would you be happy with 80 million 85 million get your money back and and you know you could then reinvest that money elsewhere um so yeah i don't know if i've answered the question but <laughs> that's there are a few thoughts that I've, I've got rumbling around my head yeah highly unlikely to leave this month what with the injury but yeah. i know somebody close to the pogba situation who said that when he came back to united he just didn't actually want to go back to manchester in the first place and that kind of makes sense with the way it's transpired his head never seems to have been completely committed to the task in hand yeah, it's a funny one. I mean, I actually interviewed Warren Joyce, um, who was the uh, United Reserve uh, coach for a number of years, including when Pogba was there. And he said that when he left, he actually remembers him being desperate to to to, to play uh, for United Reserves in a kind of senior cup match, you know, like a, a, a inconsequential uh, fixture. That um, so it basically made made the point that listen, he was genuinely invested in United at that time, and, and when he was leaving, it was a wrench for him. Um, I agree with you. I don't know really was he ever properly fully committed to coming back to United in, in a way that clearly now Solskjaer wants his players to be. You know, you look at the likes of Rashford, the likes of Maguire, um, the likes of various other players uh, sort of in the team that you think, OK, clearly they are there, you know, for the, for the long haul. Um, so I suppose that's what United knew they were probably getting from from a player. You know, they, they wanted a, an immediate hit from a, from a guy that was going to cost them that much money. And, you know, it has been, I think, four years now. So it's, it's not been a, a wasted sort of endeavour at all, I don't think. Question from Phil. Is there any truth in the rumours that Manchester United are back in for Bruno Fernandes this transfer window? He being a 25-year-old creative midfielder from Sporting, 19 caps for Portugal. Mm, yeah, um, he looks um, on sort of stats-wise a really interesting option for United. All I know is that last summer um, the club were kind of pretty consistent in saying that he actually wasn't on their list or certainly wasn't high up on their list. And to be fair, that that came to pass. It didn't seem like it actually ever really went anywhere. I think the uh, the questions over the price in terms of something like seventy million and also there was this thing about him giving the ball away uh, more frequently than they would have liked, um, despite the fact that he's got good numbers for goals and assists, um, was something that played on their minds. So I haven't That's actually checked. That's the last thing they need, isn't it? Well, quite, yeah, they've got enough players that are capable of that. So, um, <laughs> well stocked in that department. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't checked this month, but um, I don't know yet. The, the way that they were speaking last summer was sort of indicates to me that he wouldn't be high up on their list even now, but I'll, I'll, I'll have a check and, and see what comes of it. Another question using hashtag transfer daily. The Athletic mentioned Chan, Longstaff and Winks as options for Manchester United this month. Given how desperately United need midfielders and how long it took them to sign players in the summer, any idea if United have made approaches for any of them? Um, I would certainly think they've they've been making inquiries behind the scenes, um, sort of just checking on um, players' availabilities, perhaps where their heads are at very tentatively. Um, obviously, Chan, uh, I think, wants out of Juventus, doesn't he? So you'd, you'd think that that deal is more potential uh, than uh, somewhere else where, for example, Longstaff, I think Newcastle were pretty... Uh, hard on the price that they wanted for him, dug the heels in uh, last summer. So, um, you know, that obviously comes into the equation. And I suppose that comes into the equation with, you know, what we were talking about with Pogba earlier, you know, in, in Juventus and, and Chan being there. But um, certainly United will be making inquiries of that ilk. But I, I don't know if anything's pr particularly progressing so far on those three. OK, Laurie, don't move. Don't go anywhere. We're going to bring in Greg Evans now, the Aston Villa correspondent for The Athletic. Hi, Greg. Hi, Jackie. Now, we know that Dean Smith could really have done without the injuries to his goalkeeper, Tom Heaton, and his centre-forward, Wesley, so he has to be in the market. He's been linked with a few, the likes of Giroud, Bashwai, Sombolonga. What can you tell us? 
Yeah, it's, it's gearing up to be a very busy window for Aston Villa now, actually. Um, I mean, initially, the club were planning for a quiet January. They were considering a couple of loan deals. Uh, a striker was always on the wish list um, and a wide player as well. But as you said, the injuries to those key players has really changed their stance now. Yeah, it's my understanding that Olivier Giroud is the top target. Obviously, the... The Chelsea striker isn't, you know, isn't playing much, is he, at the moment? Didn't even get on and get in, in the FA Cup against Nottingham Forest. So Villa are hoping that they can do a deal there. Um, and initially, that you know, they hope they can get him on loan with a view to a permanent deal in the summer. Uh, Glenn Murray is also a target for Villa and Newcastle. Um, yeah, the, the, the Brighton the Brighton striker who isn't who isn't starting uh, for Graham Potter side either. Um, Strange one, really. Thirty-six years old. Uh, you know, you, you would have expected Villa to be maybe looking at younger, fresher faces, but the need for a striker now, somebody who can nick them a goal, is uh, obviously essential. So they're just trying to work on a couple of deals to, to potentially get two strikers in, but definitely one. Um, the, the links of British on Belonga surprised me, to be honest, Jackie. I thought that. You know, Middlesbrough value him at around £10 million and it's my understanding that Villa were hoping to avoid spending such an amount on one player this month. So I'd expect that one to be less less likely uh, and Villa, in my, from my understanding, will be focusing on Giroud and Murray. Is there a fear that if they don't bring anybody in in January, that's it for Villa, that they're highly likely to get relegated? Uh, yes, I think if they don't get a striker in, you know, we would be safe to say that's game over for Villa because they're currently relying on just Jonathan Codger as the only fit striker. Uh, Keenan Davis has has had multiple injury problems over the last couple of seasons, and you know, if, for Villa to rely on on him alone um, to to support Codger in these times of need would be, um, in my view, you know, just just a little bit naive. They're desperate to try and get they're desperate to try and get one striker in, possibly two, um, and it will be Murray and Giroud. Trying to get a couple of players been linked with a move out of Villa Park, which is probably the last thing they need at the moment. But there is a rumour that perhaps Connor Harahan could be rejoining Steve Bruce at Newcastle. Have you heard anything? Yeah, I think I'd scratch that one off, Jackie. Can't see that happening. Connor Harahan wants to stay at Villa um, and, uh, and and you know re- really try and cement a place in the starting lineup. Uh, I, 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 w- I wouldn't see anything happening in that one, to be honest. But let, let's uh, move on to the next. Okay, on to the next <laughs> one for you, and then also one for Laurie. But um, question from someone called Five Points Off Fourth. I'm not entirely sure that he was christened that name. It might just be a nickname <laughs> on Twitter. But for Greg, does Jack Grealish actually have a buyout clause or not in his contract? No, he doesn't have a buyout clause anymore. We, my, my understanding is that he initially had one uh, before his last contract was uh, extended and. Um, improved following following Villa's uh, promotion from the Championship. So, yeah, if if clubs are interested in Jack Grealish, it would just be a, a straight deal. You know that Villa Villa obviously value him very highly. Um, they have absolutely no plans whatsoever to sell him in January. Now, whether Villa are relegated um, it come May time, it will open up obviously. Uh, lots of discussions from various clubs who are interested in, in Jack Grealish. You know that the links to Manchester United are not going away. Um, hearing from multiple sources that Manchester United are keen on Grealish and that they will push to sign him in the summer. Um, if Villa stay in the Premier League, they'll do everything they can to keep him. But again, it might be a deal that is possibly out of their hands come the summer. Um, but yeah, Villa fans. Don't be too concerned uh, in these next few weeks because he won't be going anywhere. If they go down, would you say he would definitely leave? 
Yeah, I think that Jack Grealish has outgrown the Championship. There's no way that he'll be playing in the Championship next season. Obviously, he loves Aston Villa and, and desperately wants them to succeed and stay in the Premier League. But if they go down, he will have to think about his career and his England opportunities in the future. And the fact that there are top six clubs sniffing around him now, um, he'll know that he, he will have to move if Villa get relegated. And Laurie, the same tweeter has asked, will United try and actually bid for their targets or just inquire on the availability and no bids if the answer is negative? Um, I think they'll probably still need to, to bid because I think sometimes you know uh, clubs will say that players aren't available and, and just sort of testing uh, the resolve really. Um, I, I think you'd be a bit naive to kind of go, okay, then <laughs> we'll back off and, and, and that's that. Um, certainly, though, they probably should be doing their research and I'm sure they are doing on whether players would like to come to them. So, you know, if, if the club are saying no, then and the, but the player might be making it clear by other means that they would actually like to come, then then clearly they need to put a bit of pressure on the club and, and, and get the deal over the line. Um, they've obviously got the money to do that. So, you know, it's, it should be really part of the part of the course for them. Um, I don't know in terms of bids, actually, at the moment, I don't know if any have gone in. I don't think so um, at the moment. Um, having said that, I mean, it, you know, one person's bid is another person's off is another person's uh, projection of what they might offer you know it's very uh, sometimes can be quite a complicated um, sort of set of circumstances but yeah I don't think any at the moment and Krishnan asking with midfield being a priority does that mean that they're not bothering with the striker situation yeah, I mean, I still think they need a striker. I think they they accept that they still need a striker. I mean, I wrote um, way back, I think in September it was, that they were going to go back in for Marian Mandzukic in January and that was the plan. And then basically he just didn't play at Juventus at all. So they kind of thought, well, we can't really justify bringing a player in on a short-term basis when he'll need to get match fitness to begin with. Um, so that obviously got parked and he went off to Qatar. Um, and then obviously the Haaland thing happened where they were really pushing hard for him. But, you know, they decided that they didn't want to engage in the terms that Raiola, Mina Raiola, his agent, had set out. Um, you know, obviously from Haaland's end, I think he said he's very, very clear in the fact that he actually wanted the Dortmund um, sort of idea as a, as, a, as a good sporting project. Um, so, yeah, but no, I still think we come back to the fact that United and striking department, they've got, you know, three really good centre forwards, if you include Mason Greenwood, who has done really well as an 18-year-old coming in, but they haven't got a striker of a different kind of um, stature that obviously Haaland and Mandzukic are, you know, that sort of six foot four, six foot five kind of option where they can just mix it up a little bit. Um, so I think they, they still should and, and will you know try and get a striker in in January? Although you know Solskjaer has said that Greenwood's um, sort of start to life as a first team has slightly adjusted that uh, as, a, as, a, as an imperative. Okay, now if I was to be really really mean to you at the end of this podcast, I would put you both on the spot and say, what do you think will happen in your respective clubs' transfer windows come the end of January? I am that mean, Laurie. What do you expect to happen, in and out? <laughs> oh God, it's, I hate. I'm, I'm such. I'm so rubbish at actually putting my neck on the line on things like this. Um, uh, I think that uh, I don't think anyone will go out in the end. I know that there's been talk on on Matic and Young um, potentially leaving, but I just think the numbers are so low and they they just can't afford it. You know, there'd be no value to sort of letting them out um, early from from their contracts. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I don't think anyone will leave. The noises, you know, I, I don't know that I'm getting. I'm kind of feeling like it's going to be one, maybe two tops, which personally I don't think is enough. I think United should go for these players, albeit with the caveat that, um, you know, you only buy the ones that you want in. I realise I'm filibustering to to the max b- before. <laughs> do you mean permanent uh, signings? You think? <laughs> um, I think they, I think they'll do one 
but I think it could be a sort of loan with a view to a, a permanent or short-term deal. I just, I don't know. I'm just not getting the vibe that they're going to do a big transfer of, you know, 50 million or whatever. Greg, you've had a few seconds to think about it now. We're going to turn the screw on you. What do you think for Villa? <laughs> I think it'll be a lot busier at Villa than, than it's going to be United for sure. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see to see four players coming in, to be honest. I think they're desperately trying to get two strikers, as I've previously mentioned. I think that they'll they'll get they'll get either Murray or Giroud from the Premier League, um, which will fit into what Dean Smith wants. He wants a he wants a proven Premier League goal scorer. Both of those are. So I think he'll get one, if not two of them. If he doesn't manage to get the both, then I think they'll get a a, um, a striker on loan from Europe as well. Again, both of them with views to a permanent deal. Um, obviously, they need a midfielder to replace John McGinn, who's injured. I think, again, they'll look at another short-term fix. Danny Drinkwater is a player who has been mentioned. Uh, he's just one of a few, I'm led to believe, that Villa are looking at. Um, I think they definitely will get a midfield man and they won't lose any midfielders alongside that. And also, I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, a short-term fix goalkeeper come in as well. Villa are obviously... Without Tom Heaton, their key, their number one player, uh, number one goalkeeper, who they you know relied so heavily on previously. Orjan Nyland has come in, and he's high, he's highly rated at the club, but still they they do need they do need some backup. So I'd expect, or I wouldn't expect, I would um, maybe consider that a that a, that a short term loan will be coming in, or just somebody to tip them over until the end of the season. Um, and that should be it. I mean, they, they were previously looking at wide players as well. Ideally, they, they wanted a striker who could play wide, but this was before all the injuries come about. So I think that, you know, the need for a winger has now been kind of crossed off and it, it's just all, all the focus and all hands to the pump on, on getting strikers in. Laurie and Greg, sorry for being so mean to you on the first one, but that is punishment <laughs> for the fact that I discovered neither of you follow me on Twitter, so I couldn't DM you oh, wow. any of the things I was going to talk to you about today. That is punishment. At least Greg started following me now. Laurie, the <laughs> pressure's on it. for next time. Thanks to the pair of you. Doing it immediately. <laughs> uh, this has been mostly a Manchester United and Aston Villa related podcast, purely for the fact that it's our first one and we've had our first two correspondents on, but it will be about various clubs in the next few weeks. We'll have this podcast Monday to Friday for the rest of January. January with Adam Leventhal and Caroline Barker coming in. This is the Athletic Transfer Daily. Make sure you subscribe for free to the Ornstein and Chapman podcast feed. We've hijacked their platform for the month and there you will find a new episode every afternoon from Monday to Friday and for full access to all of the fantastic articles on The Athletic. Remember, you can subscribe for a 40% discount simply by using the promo code UKPOD. Get on it today. Thanks very much to Laurie and Greg. I'm Jackie Oatley and I'll be back for the next Transfer Daily podcast. Do join us for that one. Bye for now.